And now Jesus went into the region of Caesarea, Philippi. Uh, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And but then Jesus answered him, blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. Men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, this huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades or hell will not prevail or have power over it, overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold against it. Hallelujah. 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, whatever you bind to be declared improper and unlawful on the earth must be whatever or is already bound in heaven, and whatever you lose, declared unlawful on the earth, must be what is already loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Today we are looking at the foundation of the church. Hallelujah. The foundation of the church. And the Bible says that Jesus went to Caesarea Philippi, and there was a lot of noise going on. So he decided to interview his own disciples by asking them, who do they say I am? And then he began. One said, oh, you are uh, John the Baptist or Elijah or one of Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he zeroed in on the question by asking, but who do you say that I am? Hallelujah. And I was thinking about this and I was asking myself, why did Jesus ask his disciples, who do you say I am? I think that the reason why Jesus will ask such a question is that it can easily happen that you are in a place and don't know the power you have or the power that is available to you. You can be around somebody and not know who the person is. Are you with me? You can be with God himself and not even know that this is God. So he had to ask, who do men say that I am? And then they said, yeah, well, they said all that. And said, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Christos, the anointed one and his anointing. You are Yeshua and Mashiach, the, 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 the God made flesh on earth. And he said, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father. Hallelujah. The, the uh, Catholics say that, well, with this statement, 
God, uh, Jesus revealed and gave the keys of the church to Peter, who is the head of the church. And then, uh, and when he passes on, he hands off to another Peter, and another Peter, another Peter, who becomes another Pope, and becomes an, so the Pope is the sole custodian of the keys of the kingdom. But uh, I, I don't believe in that school of thought. I and and. The Jehovah's Witness will say that, well, Jesus is a, a son, one of the sons, sons of God. Um, the Mormons say that he's a son of God, a son of God. It's meaning that there may be many, but he is the, the Muslim says that he's a prophet. Uh, but we know that he is the son of God. Hallelujah. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Hallelujah. He is the one who has brought the church of God. And he says that on this rock, remember rock, we're talking about rock a couple of Sundays ago, foundation. On this foundation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, that is the first time the word church was introduced in the Bible. Hallelujah. We know that um, the church of God existed in some form from the day Joseph and his family entered Egypt. Are you with me? There was a, a semblance of a church when they left Egypt, led by Moses through the wilderness. They were a church of God. About three million of them, they went out, hallelujah. And we know that they were sort of a church living in the promised land, you know, in one way or the other. But we know that the day Jesus hung on the cross and bled and died, that was the day that the ecclesia, the church of God, was birthed, hallelujah. Now, the word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And the word ecclesia is two words that is put together. Ek, which means out. And kelo, which means the called. So the word ecclesia is the called out ones. So a church or the church is the called out faithful ones. The ones that have been called by God, hallelujah. So it is not just a, a building. A church can never be a building. The building is not the church. The people who are of faith, who gather together in one place in the name of the Lord, they make the church. Hallelujah. And for Jesus to say that I will build my church and the gates of hell, you know, the gate is not just the place of entrance. It's actually the seat of government, the seat of power. When we say gate, we are talking about White House. It's a gate. The 10 Downing Street is what? A gate. The Kremlin is a gate. The uh, Asso Rock is a gate. The, the Jubilee House is a gate. The... Um, What's the name of the South Africa Pretoria? I can't remember the name. But that is also a gate. 
They are all gates. Hallelujah. Of some sort. And he says that the gates have one enemy and the enemy of the gate is the church. Why? Because the church is the only place that has been designed by God to influence and change people. Which is what every gate has sought to do. So every seat of government from the Kremlin to Jubilee House or Asso Rock or the White House, they, they are seeking to influence people. They are seeking to influence people and their behavior and they cannot do it. So when they see the church, that is the only institution that has been signed, designed by God to influence people's lives come into effect, they have to fight it. Hallelujah. That is why the church is the most maligned, is the most bashed, is the most criticized, is the most, um, what do you call it, fought institution in the world today. So when you join to fight the church, you are only doing what the gates have been designed to do. Mm, I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. When you begin to fight the church, you have only been, you have only been uh, employed by Satan, who is the chief gatekeeper to fight the church. Hallelujah. The, you see, the seat of, the, I read somewhere, don't know whether you read it too, that Satan is the God of this world. And if Satan is the God of this world, then his representation are these gates. I don't know whether you are getting it. His representation are these gates that fight the church and the called out ones. Are you, are you getting it? That is why there's always a legislation against as soon as the church rises to a certain notoriety and become a certain figure, you know, if you have a church of three million in this city, in this country, you will see the gates will rise against it. Are you with me? Any church that rises against, uh, uh, to a certain uh, level, immediately the, the journalists will rise to investigate, to come up with allegations, to come up with things. Hallelujah. Because they are trying so hard to fight against the gates. The, 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 the kingdom, the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The church of God. Amen. So, I, I want us to have this foundation about the church of God. Amen. And I want, I want to talk about a few things that you must know about the church. Is that okay? A few things that we need to know about the church. Because... I, um, we said the other day that when the use of something is not known, abuse is inevitable. Isn't that true? You know, so a church is a group of baptized believers who have joined their faith together and have committed to helping each other to fulfill God's purpose for their lives and their community. Can I say that again? The church is a group of baptized or people of faith. Last week we were talking about faith, isn't it? People of faith 
who have joined together in a commitment to helping each other fulfill God's purpose. In other words, the church is a place where we get to be schooled, we get to be trained into fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives. Amen. How many have been influenced by the church of God? Give me a wave. Okay, so the church is doing its job. Isn't that right? No matter how subtle it does it, the church is always designed to transform lives and to fulfill destiny and fulfill purpose. Amen. And the first thing I want to talk about for you to understand is that the church is owned, instituted, and managed by Jesus himself. The church belongs to God and not any man. When I say the church, I'm not talking about CICC or BBC or LCC or WWC or any other church. All those type of things are different fragments of the same body. Are you with me? So the church is different fragments or different pieces of the same, like you have Lego. You build a Lego dog. They have different little pieces, but they join together to form that um, whatever dog. Are you with me? So the, the, the whole church belongs to God himself. In um, Acts chapter 20 verse 28, it says that uh, let's uh, say that take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you, bishops and guardians, to shepherd and tend feet and guide the church. Can you see the church? The church of the Lord or of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. Hallelujah. So God bought the church. He saved the church. He sanctified the church with his own blood. So it doesn't belong to any man. Hallelujah. That is why you must not allow any man to drive you out of the church. Not even the pastor of the church. Because it doesn't belong to the pastor. It belongs to God. And if it belongs to God and you are a child of God, then you belong there. Hallelujah. Oh, am I talking to somebody? The church is something, a, a place that God himself has commissioned and instituted. That is why the church has been attacked by the bold and the mighty and still the church is marching on. Hallelujah. Voltaire, who was one of the most influential uh, French uh, atheists and French, uh, what do you call it, well-known, says that he will ensure that the church becomes an obsolete institution and that the Bible will no longer be in print. Are you with me? And he's not the only one. 
a lot of pharaohs, a lot of um, kings and queens and whatever have risen to fight the church and they have not succeeded. When Voltaire died, his house was used as a printing press to print more Bibles. <laughs> and the, the man who says that he will make sure that the, the Bible goes out of print, his house is still being used to print more Bibles. Hallelujah. The church has always existed. And the church will always be until the rapture. When the rapture comes, that is when the church leaves. But until then, the church is in control and the church is in charge. Hallelujah. So the church belongs to God. Number two. The second thing is that the church is not a building. It's where the people of faith gather. So if we gather in a house and we are Christians in the name of God, that is a church. We gather in a room in the name of God, that is a church. We gather in the basement in the name of God, that is a church. Hallelujah. No matter where they gather. I was listening to a, a guy who was talking about... Um, he is a missionary. He went to China to go and, you know, China, they don't have church like this. They are not allowed to have a congregation like this as a church. And so they gather as an underground church. So he went to speak to about 14 to 20 of these um, leaders of the underground churches. And they are not allowed to have Bibles. So he smuggled Bibles, about 14 Bibles, into this room to give to these leaders of like little satellite underground churches. And there were 21 of them. So obviously some didn't get. So he gave the Bibles out and he said, oh, turn to Second Corinthians and he gave the, the um, what do you call it, the chapter. And as soon as he gave, the one who had the Bible gave the Bible to his neighbor and he said, okay, shall, shall we read? And he saw that the man was reading the whole chapter. He was reading with everybody. And the guy was like, after the meeting, he went to the guy and said, how did you? He says that, oh, we are not allowed to have Bibles, so we memorize them. And he says that when they catch you in teaching or preaching, they imprison you up to three years. So he said, when they go to the, the prison, there's nothing to do. So that is where they take their opportunity to memorize the scripture. You know, the Bible that you have, you don't read. Some go into prison to go and memorize it. Hallelujah. You have about 20 versions on your phone and you haven't even read one, one, one chapter. And you are going to stand on the judgment seat with this one who was in China who didn't have a Bible but a few pages. Because they, they, when they get it, they write it on a piece of paper. So it's like you have a piece of paper, then you, sh you, sh you share it. So they won't catch you with the Bible. They'll catch you with pieces of paper. 
and you have to memorize it quickly and destroy it. Because when they catch you, you are going in. Hallelujah. Even in communist China, the, 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 the church is thriving. So he, this guy asked them, so, you know, out of these 21 people there, he wanted to find out how many uh, people do you oversee. So they decided they were going to um, calculate how many people they did quick, quick mass, quick mass. Quick mass. They did a little, a little bit of a calculation, and they said, oh, "Oh, roughly, roughly 220 million people." Without Bibles, these these underground, these people, they they oversee. You know, China has 1.5 billion or something. So roughly about 200 million people. So these 21 people who were sitting there, the guy said he felt intimidated. <laughs> he had come to preach to them, but he realized that, no, 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 no. I should sit down for these people to preach to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you see, the body of Christ is not a building. I like the first church, which is... Let's look at Acts chapter 2. The first church, the description of the first church, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 46. The Bible says, Therefore, those who accepted and welcomed the message were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles. To the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper and prayers. Amen. And a scene of awe, reverential fear came, and a, sorry, a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles, the special messengers. And all who believed, who adhered to, and trusted in, and relied on Jesus were united and together they had everything in common. I'm showing you all these things, note them because they are all features of the church that we'll be discussing. And all who believed, who adhered and trusted in and relied on Jesus were united and together and they had everything in common. Next verse. And they sold their possessions, both their landed property and their movable goods and distributed the price among all according as had need. And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple. Hey, brother, slow down. Go back. No, go back to 45. Day to day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous heart. Hallelujah. So we said the first thing was that the church was purchased by God himself. Is there, is God. And then number two is what? It's not a building. Number three. The body of Christ is not a denomination, but a fellowship of believers, genuine followers of Christ. 
the most powerful institution on the earth. Amen. The body of Christ is the most powerful institution on the earth because it is a group of genuine, faithful believers of Jesus Christ. Amen. Number four. So, so, so let's go through it. The description of the church, number one, is what? It belongs to God, number two. It's not a building, number three. Where the people of God gather and is the most powerful institution, amen. And I want to give you the reasons why you need to be part of the church, amen. You see, when I say you need to be part of the church, I'm not talking about being a visitor of the church. Being a visitor of the church is not the same as being part of the church. There are a lot of people who are who visit either regularly or occasionally this church, but they are not part of this church. Are you with me? We have a lot of people, we have about four or five times this number who visit this church on a regular basis, but they are not part of it. There are a lot of people who regularly visit churches, but they are not part of the church. I don't know whether you are, you are getting it. And, and you see, what I'm trying to make you understand is that being around it, occasionally visiting it, is not being part of it. The fact that you go into the car showroom doesn't make you a Mercedes Benz. You may visit there, but it doesn't make you a car. Visiting the place is not as important as being part of the place. Amen. You may visit the family okay, regularly, but you're not, if you're not part of the family, whatever belongs to the family never comes to you. Now, I don't know whether... I, how many have visited a family from childhood? You have visited a certain family from childhood, played... In every room, you have played with all the children. You grew up virtually in that house. But when the, 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 the father or whoever died and they were given inheritance, your name was not mentioned. You didn't get anything. Why? Because you're not part of the family. A pastor was telling a story that a particular um, a house that he used to regularly go to pray with a man and his wife. You know, he has been going there for a very long time. Anytime he goes to pray, he goes to um, worship and he goes to help them regularly. And then the, the man died. So he went to do the funeral. And then the funeral, it's like the, 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 they said that the, in the will, the man had left something for the pastor. So the pastor got excited. He thought that he was going to get. So he sat down to listen to the will. And as they were reading, also my wife gets this, my son gets this, my daughter gets this, my other son. And for Pastor Prinkinston, he has to officiate my funeral. He said that the thing pained him. <laughs> 
what you want to happen after you are dead. And he's like, after I'm dead, I don't want any other priest to officiate my funeral. I want you to do it. But he didn't get anything. You only get the honor of burying me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because you're not part of the family. Are you with me? If, if Jesus came to CICC to bring his uh, blessings and his giftings to the church, is he going to give you an inheritance? Are you part of the church? The inheritance of CICC is being given out right now to the children of CICC. Where do you fit in? See, the church is a family. In Psalm 68, I think 68 verse 8, it says that he takes the lonely and he puts into a family. Can you look for the verse for me? I think it's either verse 5 or something. Verse 68. Yeah, verse 6. God places the solitary or the lonely in families and gives the desolate a home. So the church is a family, the church is a home, and God will place us as you are wondering, you went, you came from wherever you came from, and you found yourself here, and God placed you in this church. He placed you in a home. He didn't place you in a in a in a in a side street. He didn't place you in a, in a, you know, walkway. He put you in a home. And if you are a member of the home, then you have to be an integral member for real. You know, most homes have chores. How many have done household chores? Every home has chores. Or every home should have chores. And if you are part of the home, we will give you a chore to do. That is, the, that is the number one um, identification of you being part of the family. Um, so what is the chore that you have? When you don't come, would we miss you? When you haven't done your chore, would anyone come to you? If you are supposed to wash the dishes and you don't wash the dishes, or you are supposed to take the bin out and you don't, you are supposed to do the laundry and you haven't done it. See, all these things have repercussions because you, if you're an integral part of the home, then you have to do it or else. I know some homes that they will carry their dishes to your room and put it on your bed. How many have had some parents do that to you? You must wash. I don't care how old you are. You shall wash. You have just come back from university. You've been paying your own bills. So you think you're a big girl. You're a big boy. You don't wash your plate and see. We will carry it and put it on your bed. You haven't employed any house boy or house girl here. Hallelujah. Yeah, so you need to be part. You know, how many of us, you have left home. So when you go back home, you don't feel like you are part. 
You understand? You don't feel like you are part. It's like you are in, but you are out. It's like when they are discussing, they don't even want to include you. And how does it make you feel? Some, it makes you feel that it, because everybody wants to belong somewhere. In fact, everybody must fight to belong somewhere. So I want you to fight to belong somewhere in the house of God. So that you become part of the family of God. Yeah. Hallelujah. See, if I were you, before I leave here today, I'll make sure I have a chore. Because that cements you. And in the house, there's every, there are so many chores, you'll be amazed. Plenty chores to do. My father was an expert at giving chores. He will look at you and give you a chore. Just manufacture a chore right now. <laughs> The worst one was that go and sweep under the mango tree. It was the worst. Because by the time you finish, when you turn back, you haven't done anything. And then you go back to start sweeping again. Because you have to make sure that there is, is spotless. And go and call him to come and uh, to inspect. By the time you reach his door and you come back, it's like, it's like what have you done? No, you've got the hip. He can see the hip, but look. So he says, uh, then he'll tell you, I'm going. When you finish, come and get me. You can be there the whole day. <laughs> yeah. Especially when it comes and you're playing football, you are just, you're having fun and not studying. So you see when it's coming, people are reading the book upside down or pretending to sleep because the chore that you end up doing but we all need to be part of the house of God. You need to be part of the house. Because, you see, like Pastor Glau was saying, that everybody must have an altar that speaks for you. And the altar is located in the house of the Lord. What altar speaks for you? When you cannot speak for yourself, the day that you are incapacitated on a life support, who will be praying for you? It's like, oh, my brother, somebody, we have seen him a couple of times in this church, but we don't know. When Peter was imprisoned, the Bible says that the disciples gathered together and they prayed for him night and day till he was released. Why? Because he was an integral part of the church. You need to be part. Of the church. Amen. So that you'll be taught the word. So the first reason is you need to be part of the church so that you'll be taught the word to grow. As newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The word is taught in a place where we gather. In the house of God. Amen. Bible says that, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine. 
in a place. They devoted themselves. You need to be in a place, devoted in a place. You need to be an integral part of the place, so much so that the word goes into you. Because you hear it on Sunday, you hear it on Wednesday, you hear it on Friday. But if you are an occasional visitor, you cannot hear anything. Because what you heard, by the time you go and come back two, three weeks later, you've forgotten everything. Hallelujah. Be steadfast. Persevere in becoming part of the house. The reason why you need steadfastness is that there are situations that have been orchestrated by the gates of hell to make you not become an integral part. I don't know whether you are getting it. There are some uh, 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 orchestrations because the enemy of the church is the gate of hell. And the gate of hell is the power that operates in the air. Satan would direct, sometimes uses offense. Have you not realized that you become offended when you go to a church? You used to be on fire for God. You used to be an integral part of the church. And now you have left. And now you are a, a visitor. You are a connoisseur. You look from outside. When you go to a place, you don't want anybody to know who you are. You want to hide. Ah. Hallelujah. But don't allow anything, anybody, any hurt, any offense to move you. What shall separate us from the love of God? What shall keep me from the place of his blessing? Don't allow anything to keep you away. Hallelujah. You need to be part. When you are there and you're going through, somebody will come for you. When you need encouragement, somebody will be there. When you need somebody to visit you, somebody will be there. When you need to be prayed for, somebody will be there. When you need somebody to bail you out, somebody will be there. I cannot tell you the number of times I've gone to police station to bail people out. And the only reason is because they are part of the church. Once I went to court marshal in the army barracks with my church member. Because he was a soldier. And he had run away. He was, and it's a five-year jail term. He was AWOL and facing five-year jail term. And he said, will the defendant rise? And I rose with him. He's not my brother. He's not my sister. He's not my friend, per se. He's my member of my church. I had to be there. That is why we need the house of God. That is why you need a family of God. It's not just to come and sit in church. Situations happen that your real natural family cannot be there for you. The people you call blood relatives cannot be there. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Sometimes you need a family that is away from your family to become part of it. Hallelujah. You need to be part of the church. Don't allow anybody to make you not want to be an integral part of the house of God. Number three. Sorry, sorry, did I give you number two? So number one was what? So you be taught the word number two. You need to be part of the church because you are meant to encourage and care for each other. 
you are meant to encourage and care for somebody or somebody is meant to encourage and care for you. See, it's not about just receiving. Church is not about you just coming to receive. There's no family that you are just about, you are there to receive. A family is where you, you are, you, when you are born, you are nurtured, isn't it? To grow. When you get to a place, you become responsible for others. Amen. That is part of family. Before you realize you are the elder, elders in the family. And you have to take care of others. That is how family is. So when you come to the house of God, don't just want, there are some people who come to church and they're always, they always waiting for people to bless them, people to give them, the pastor to preach, the pastor to visit, the pastor to pray for them, and demand, demand, and you never extend your finger to help anybody, to help grow the church. Look at Zelda. Look at Zelda. How old is Zelda? Seven. Zelda was born on this altar. She was born on this altar. She has stayed on this altar. Today she's rapping and singing in the choir. At that age, she knows that she has to be part of the church and she has to give. Now she came to minister to us. She came to bless us and we are blessed. A five-year-old has a chore. You are 35 years and you don't have a chore. Denzel was born on this altar. How old is Denzel? 11. Denzel was born on this altar. He's now 11. He's rapping, performing here on the altar. Hallelujah. Because you are meant to encourage. You are meant to give. It's not just about receiving. You are meant to also... Minister to others. You are meant to care for others. Hallelujah. Say that we're breaking bread from one house to the other house to the other house, which means at the point you have to open your house for people to come in. It's not about receiving alone. Amen. Number three. I'll finish at number five. I have about 15 to give, but I'll finish at number five. You need to be part of the church because this is where the Holy Spirit works. See, what you don't realize is that the Holy Spirit is working in you. You know, three guys gathered in the drinking bar and they were complaining about their wives. And I my wife, she's this, she's that, she's that. My wife, she's, 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 she's always demanding for money. She's this, that. I don't even know what I get from her. I don't even know the benefit I get from her because my side chicks give me better. They give better services than these wives that we have. So they all concluded that no, their wives are not, they are all some way. Their wives don't really give as much. They don't have really good need of their wives. 
So the guy went, one guy went to him, one of the guys went to him, and he took this conversation to the house. And said, you, you are useless. You don't give me anything. You don't do, I don't even know the, the, the benefits I have from you. And then, and the wife said, do you eat in this house? And he said, yes. So he asked, what did you eat yesterday? I don't remember, but I ate. What did you eat last week? I don't remember, but I ate. What did you eat last year? I don't remember, but I ate. He said, if you minus all the food you have eaten, would you be alive? Come to the house of God. The spirit of God is ministered through to you. It's food. You don't even remember the food. But you ate. Last week you came, you don't even remember the food, but you ate. Last year you came, you don't remember the food, that, but you ate. But listen, if we take all that from you, would you be alive? So, the Holy Spirit is feeding the Holy Spirit is blessing some of us. is because of the word, the prayer in this place. That's why we haven't lost our minds. Some of us is because of the, the, the word, the miracle, the, the blessing. That's why we are not dead yet. But for the house of God, you probably would have gone. Every year, we pray a prayer here. And I particularly pray a prayer every year that I will not bury any member. Do you know what that means? It means that you are not allowed to die. Even if you want to die, you are not allowed to die. Because I have prayed against burying you. Are you with me? Before I forget, I told everybody here, next week when you are coming, place in an envelope a sacrifice for life. And I said, the instruction I gave was 214, sorry, 224, 124, 24. Make sure, if you're a parent, make sure you do it for yourself, for your family, even your children. Hallelujah. And we are going to place it on this altar and say, speak life for us. Hallelujah. If you, are, you want something, you want a child, you want a, a husband, you want a wife, whatever it is, the place in another envelope, something, and come and deposit here. If you are doing two or three, whatever, however many projects, separate them and do it. If you are a minister, give, take another envelope. For your ministry. Hallelujah. And place it on the altar. Let the altar speak. The second thing. Instruction is that. Make sure that everybody. When you are coming. Bring a bottle of oil. And when you come. Put it on the altar. For the, Throughout the service. I'll pray on all of them. Then you can take it back with you. Amen. And I've also instructed that. When we come. And. 
we pray, you'll be given a fruit. That fruit represents life. Are you with me? So when you come and put the uh, offering, you will take in exchange a fruit. That's the fruit of life. That you are symb- it's symbolic. It's not any, there's no voodoo or any spooky whatever. Are you with me? There's no, don't worship the fruit. You just eat it. <laughs> That's all. There's no spooky thing about it. It's just a symbolism to say that I have bought life from the altar. Amen. Is that all right? So number four, quickly. You need to be part of the church because we are meant to worship together. They gathered together. The Bible says, iron sharpened iron, so a man the countenance of his brother. When we are together, we, we provoke one another unto good works. Hallelujah. So we need to provoke one another to stay on fire. Are you with me? There are some people, you can't pray by yourself for long, but when you come to the house of God, you learn how to pray. There are some people who couldn't fast from now to breakfast time, but staying in this place, they've learned how to fast. How many? Not you, but you know somebody who knows somebody who couldn't do beyond breakfast. And now, before six to nine was a struggle. Now, some people are doing dry. Yeah. <laughs> Some people want to preach messages, so I will tell you. <laughs> now, coconut water is sweet. <laughs> it's life. Yeah. They, 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 they needed to be together. Amen. They needed to be together. Let's bond together. Some of us, we don't have a friend in the house of God. You are not, you don't have a friend. That is why you will not last here. Because your friends are far away from here. Are you with me? Meanwhile, there are people like you. Why don't you make a friend? Because when you make a friend, it helps you to stay longer. Hello? It makes it easier to stay longer so that you'll be blessed and ministered to. Amen. Number five, the final one for today. The church is God's family. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9. Therefore, you are no longer outsiders, immigrants, aliens, excluded from the right citizens, from the rights of citizens, but you are now citizenship with the saints. Hallelujah. God's own people. You now become part of the house of God. Hallelujah. Don't be in trouble and they call the pastor. The pastor says, I don't know you. Oh, there are times people have called me that, oh, your church member is in trouble. And I said, I don't know them. 
And then I've called the pastors to ask them, do you know this person? Yeah, I don't know this. Do you know your person? You ask departmental leaders, do you know this name? Yeah, I don't know them. It would be difficult for me to appear in the police station when I don't know the person. I won't go. Because I don't know the crime you have committed. <laughs> uh, so I won't come. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 to 6. Let's read it, the final scripture. Even so, even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own. Hallelujah. So it means you have been chosen. You didn't choose yourself. You didn't choose the church you belong to. God chose you and put you here. Hallelujah. He picked you and chose you. He picked you out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him and blameless in his sight, even above reproach. Before him in love. Hallelujah. He, for he foreordained us. Give me the NIV. This is too wordy. Give me NIV. For he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Christ Jesus in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glory, to his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Hallelujah. He has predestined us. Before you were born, God knew that one day you'd be here. So he prepared a church for you so that when you come, you have a family. You understand what I'm saying? He he predestined you, he chose you, and he knew that you'll be here, and he put you here to be part of this family, to be catered for, to be looked after. So my prayer for you and I is that let us be an integral part of the house of God. Stand to your feet.